This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. All right, good morning, everybody. Look at your neighbor and say, you're looking good. I'll say it better than that. Say, you're looking good. Now turn to your second choice. Tell them, but you look better. You look better. Good to see you guys today. Like they said, today is day 15 of 21 days of prayer. If you've been participating in 21 days of prayer, what a powerful time it's already been. There's about 150 of you in that group that are participating every day, and it has been a powerful thing to see what God is showing you. Those of you that have been sharing in that group and what the, what the Word of God has revealed to you and even some of the habits that you have noticed of yours that were not helpful, that 21 Days of Prayer has already started to prepare you for, um, for this series. And we're starting a series today called Greater Reward. Somebody say, Greater, Greater. Reward. Now you guys say it louder than that. The, the quieter you are, the louder I preach, all right? I don't... Or the, the longer it goes, the, it just, I don't care if it's the second service, I'm going to have to wait on y'all, all right? So say greater reward. All right, that's good, that's good. We got a new year, brand new year. We're excited about that. New ideas, new goals, new dreams, new plans. And here's what I know about most of us. We all want something different this year. Is there some, does anybody in the room, would you be able to agree with me that there's something in your life that you would like for it to be different this year? You got different plans, you want it to be different. And if you're like, no, my life was perfect last year, then we're going to pray for your uh, long suffering as you're brought to reality this year. But I'm guessing that most of us in this room would like something to be different in our lives. Some of us want to lose weight, some of us want to pay off debt. Some of us want a better relationship with our spouse. We want our marriage to improve. And some of us, we're talking about being closer to God. We want that. And I'm guessing that a lot of you are like me and you're hoping that certain things will be different this year. And maybe you're saying this, this year will be the year that I finally accomplish this. This year will be the year that I finally start this project. This year will be the year that I finally clean out the garage. This year will be the year that I finally, whatever it is, You set goals, you start strong, but that willpower fades quickly, sometimes within days. Like you're like, I'm going to eat clean this year. I'm going to eat clean, praise the Lord. I'm going to learn how to love broccoli, and and I'm going to learn how to to love a low-carb diet. I'm not going to give in to the demonic pool of sugar this year. I'm not going to do it. But then you get invited to something. You get invited to a party. You get invited to, to watch a game with somebody. You get invited. And they're like, you bring the, we'll cover the main course. You bring the dessert. And you're like, well, I don't want to be a bad host. So, and bring like broccoli covered in Jesus. So I'm going to Why is it that we find, though, even with the best intentions and the best passion, it's so difficult to see the reality of change in our lives? What we're going to do over the next three weeks is we're going to look at how we can choose the greater reward. 
And today, let's look at a guy who I promise you is going to encourage you. I promise you because this guy at some times in his life was toe up from the floor up. He had lots of problems. The Apostle Paul is going to really encourage you today. And he's going to make you feel a lot better about yourself. When we look at the disciples and we look at people in the Bible, we might be thinking, okay, well, these guys... They walked with Jesus. They were perfect. They were holy. It was St. Paul, St. Peter. They had nothing saintly about these cussing fishermen. They chopped people's ears off, all kinds of crazy stuff. They weren't saints. They were regular people like me and you. They can't pray for you, by the way. They're dead. They're just people who lived like you. And they walked with Jesus. You're a regular human that can walk with Jesus. It's the same. And what we want to teach you today and for going in the next three weeks is how you can live a life of greater reward. And the apostle Paul had the exact same struggle that I just explained to you. Let me give you some context. Paul was a a regular person. And not only was, when I say regular person, I mean, he was actually like, he was a human, but he was like way worse. Paul's job was to kill Christians. At that time, his name was Saul. And his job was to murder people who followed the apostate blasphemer, Jesus Christ. And then one day he's on the road to Damascus and he's riding on his donkey and the Lord knocks him off his donkey. (laughs) He's blind for days. He says, I'm Jesus, I'm the one you're persecuting. And he wakes up and scales fall off his eyes. He has this encounter with the living Christ. Then Paul turns into the world's greatest evangelist, wrote a third of the New Testament, raised the dead, preached the gospel. He was as close, he was as close to Christ as as you and I can be, and he saw miracles performed, and he still said this. In Romans 7, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. What a prayer. We look at Paul. He continues to say, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. You hear the anguish in his soul. This is after he gets knocked off his donkey. This is after he has an encounter. This is after he comes to Christ. This is after he's already been preaching for Jesus. This is after millions of people have gotten saved. This is after he's prayed for dead people and they come back to life. This is after all of that. And then he continues to say, I don't want to do it wrong, but I do it anyway. And then verse 24, he says, oh, what a miserable person that I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank you, St. Paul. Do you hear the humanity in his voice? Do you hear the human? Do you hear the struggle? Do you hear the tension? And I don't know where we went wrong thinking that there are certain humans that are closer to God than everybody else and 
and, and that if I want to be, if I want to be close to God, that I got to sound like that guy on TV. If I want to, I don't know where we commercialize Christianity, but what we just read to you is the heart of a Christian. I don't want to do this, but I keep doing it. I'm miserable. God, I don't know what to do. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Who can help me change? Who can help me do better? Who can help me stop my destructive habits? Who can help me stop doing what I'm doing? We'll get to the answer to this question here soon. Today's message is entitled, Help, I'm Out of Control. Let's pray. Put your hand over your heart. Father, would you open up this hard heart of ours, <laughs> the stuff that's been blocking us from hearing you? Would, would you remove it today? Would the gospel of Jesus Christ change us from the inside out? In Jesus' name, and everybody said. I'm very honored and excited to talk to you about a subject that can impact nearly every aspect of your life, but it's a subject, in my opinion, that's gotten a bad rap. It's gotten a bad rap. It's the gift of discipline. It's gotten a bad rap. You might have heard as a child, I'm going to discipline you. And it's like just freaks you out and you can't get it out of your mind, whatever it is. I know the moment that I said the word discipline, some of you immediately cringe, you puckered up, you said to yourself, come on, man, I'm a free bird. I'm a free spirit. I'm a social butterfly, man. I don't need any discipline. It's just love, man. I saw the guy on that 70s show. It's just love, man. I'm just a free spirit, man. I don't need any discipline, man. Discipline's gotten a bad rap. And I want to give you some helpful definitions for discipline that I use in my own life. And it shows me every day that not only is discipline achievable and attainable, but it is incredibly helpful in your life if you'll allow God to help you grow your discipline. Here's what discipline is. It's choosing what you want most over what you want now. Remember last week, Pastor Kelly quoted that J.G. Wentworth commercial, which has been stuck in my head for seven days. Eight, seven, seven, cash now. And I'm like, it's my money and I need it now. I have an annuity, but I need cash now. He's stuck in my head. It's like, we, we all want this now. We want it now. I gotta have it now. But we're missing the whole idea of, well, what do you want most if you're like, well, Landon, my most and my now match, you're going to have a very sad, lonely, old person life. If you have no goals for what you want most and what you want most is what you've already got, then you've arrived. You don't need Jesus at all. But the fact of the matter is, is some of us need to think about what we do want most. When you think about it, most of us want similar things, but the results can be vastly different, right? We want a good marriage, no one has ever said, no little girl has ever been planning her wedding and said, I can't wait to be divorced four times by 40. No one's ever said that. No one's ever planned their wedding and, and said that. No, we, we want to be healthy. We've never said, like, when we're young and running around the neighborhood, I can't wait to be 35 and winded when I walk upstairs. I can't wait to look bad in my bikini on the beach. I can't wait. No one ever says that. We want to be financially strong and secure. No one ever says, I can't wait to be an adult. 
and live paycheck to paycheck. I can't wait to be an adult and fight with my spouse about money. I can't wait to declare bankruptcy. No one ever says these things. We want similar things. We want financial stability. We want our marriage to be strong. We want to be physically healthy and live as long as we can to see our grandchildren and great grandchildren. We want similar things, but why do some of us end up with very different results? We need to recognize this, that desires don't determine who you become. Disciplines determine who you become. In other words, hoping for a better life means nothing. Hoping for a better life doesn't bring you a better life. But discipline habits over time will change your life. Why is it that we want to be more disciplined? We want better habits, but we end up failing. Why do we try so hard, but we fall so short? One of the reasons is because willpower doesn't work. Willpower doesn't work. You'll never find in the Bible where it says, dearly beloved, try harder in your own power. That verse doesn't exist. It actually does exist in the Book of Mormon, but it doesn't exist in the Bible. Willpower doesn't work. We think that it does, but it doesn't. Willpower is a lot like a muscle. Once you work it too hard, its power starts to wane as it gets fatigued. It's a, it's a popular form of exercise right now to work all the way till muscle fatigue to, to the point where that muscle is rejecting the orders from the brain. You felt this depletion of willpower before. You've walked by somebody, you know, you're trying to fast. You're on 21 days of prayer and fasting with your church. You're trying to get to a holy, a holy, talk to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, everybody at the office has a birthday. And is bringing cupcakes, nothing but cakes all over the place. But you walk by strong the first time and you're like, happy birthday. And you walk to your cubicle and you're like, man, praise the Lord. Did you see that, God? Did you see it? And then you got to go back to the copier and you're like, happy birthday again. (laughs) Happy birthday. Happy birthday. That's three times now. And then you got to walk by again because your boss says, I need you in my office now. And you're like, all right, Lord, give me grace. Give me grace. Lord, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm ready. And you walk by and you're like, someone's like, hey, have a cupcake. Don't you love your coworkers? And you're like, fine. Like, I'll look at it. You know, it's like, you know, and you hold it. You're like, you're like the guy at the party. You're just kind of holding it. And you're like. <laughs> and then you just ditch it. You're like that with the cupcake. And then when they all turn around, you're like, you ditch it. You're like, God, did you see me? But then the next time you walk by, you're like, just a little lick. <laughs> just a little, like it's buttercream. Fro- Come on, one, one more week. Let me torture you a little bit. There's buttercream frosting on it. You walk by, and I don't know if you're a funfetti guy, but you look at it, you're like, oh, it's multicolored. It's, so, it's like the rainbow. It's the promise of Jesus. It's like he'll never flood the earth again. I rebuke Satan. God, this, the wealth of the wicked has been laid up for the righteous. And you start... Willpower doesn't work. You don't walk into the gym and willpower your way to Fabio. It doesn't work. 
It's hard. It's you get, you, you can't even walk up the stairs the next day if you wanted to. The first time you did squats, you're like, I think not. I ain't doing that again. You're, you're one, willpower doesn't work for long, which is a real problem if you're a follower of Christ. Christians, we know we're supposed to do good to others, honor God with our actions and our thoughts, and we're not supposed to let our, our thoughts become desires and desires to become actions into things that would dishonor the Lord. So we're thinking about, I'm going to pray, I'm going to get into the word, I'm going to, I'm going to serve people, I'm going to be generous. And there's this other, like, we're like, I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to cheat, I'm not going to steal, I'm, I'm not going to yell at store employees, I'm not going to cut people off, traffic. So what do we do? We try and we try and we try and our sinful desires start to overwhelm our waning willpower. And we give in. Without even knowing it, we look back and we say, I took it, I smoked it, I touched it, I clicked on it, I bought it. I ate the whole thing. We're in the middle of 21 days of prayer and fasting and all I can think about is why are there so many pizza commercials in the middle of a football game. And you give in. And, and you, you, you fall victim to temptation and your willpower waned. Have you noticed that before you fell, before you gave in, before you did what you didn't want to do, the devil tells you, hey, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. If God didn't want you to eat pizza, he wouldn't have made wheat and flour and pigs for the sausage and the pepperoni. <laughs> it's going to be the first time I've ever watched a Cowboys game eat a cauliflower steak. I'm just telling you that right now. But that sacrifice is going to help us tonight. The devil says, you ain't hurting anybody. You deserve this. You had a hard way. You've been praying for seven days, Eve. You deserve it, Adam. It's the same trick since creation. Your wife isn't honoring to you, but she is. You know, your husband doesn't love you like you deserve to be loved, but this man has been brought into your life for such a time as this. Y'all follow me here? He minimizes in the beginning, but then after, after you fail, that same voice that minimized it, then connect. This is where the whole sermon gets, gets good. After you fail, the same one that minimized now connects that failure to your identity. And he says, you're horrible. Why would you do that? You should be ashamed of yourself. What a spiritual failure. Some giant you are. Look how pathetic you are. You're never going to change. You can never be healthy. You licked the cupcake. You can never be healthy. 
You can never be pure. You click on it every time it comes in front of you. You'll never have a healthy marriage. You'll never be financially free. Before your failure, the enemy minimizes it, lures you in, sets the trap. After you fail, now that action is connected to your identity. And this is so important. Why? Because the key to really changing is not in a New Year's resolution. The key to really changing starts in your identity. So we're not going to pass out the top 10 things you'd like to change this year. We're not going to do that. It starts in your identity. Back to Paul. You can see this is the root problem of his particular dilemma in verse 24. What does Paul have to do with this? Look at verse 24. Oh, what a, say it out loud. That was his own thoughts about himself. Can I tell you something? I lived that way way too long. And you'll never be able to change with this as your foundation. You won't get physically healthy if you think you're miserable. Why would you need to be healthy then? Like if you're a miserable person and you're worthless and pathetic and you're a spiritual failure, then why shouldn't you look at porn all the time? At least something makes you feel good for a few minutes. Or why would you need to work on your marriage if you're miserable? Who cares what they think? I'm a miserable person. Do you see the foundation here? Because I'm bad, pathetic, worthless, I can't get out of this hole. I call it the cycle of shame. Take a look on the screen. Here's the cycle. I'm bad. Let's just we'll use that as I'm worthless, I'm pathetic, I'm, I'm bad. So I'm going to try real hard. I'm, I'm going to try the hardest I can. And God, I swear on my mother's grave that I'm going to try as hard as I can. Someone who says that doesn't understand the gospel. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm going to try as hard as I can. And then your willpower starts to weaken because you don't have enough strength for that. The onslaught of every day. Paul said that and he didn't even have TikTok. I wonder what he would have wrote in his letter if he had it in his face all the time. He didn't even have that in his face all the time and he still felt worthless. I just got a book in t- uh, yesterday and I'll suggest it to you. It's called How Do I Break Up With My Phone? It's very interesting. You should read it because all of you need to divorce it. Willpower weakens, which leads to inevitable failure. If you're, if you're worthless, then this is inevitable. I mean, this is gonna, you're going to fail. You're going to mess up. And then you feel the guilt and shame. Guilt is I feel like crap for what I did. Shame is I am crap. Guilt is external, shame is internal. And then because you feel so bad and you feel like a terrible person, now I'm just going to try real hard. I'm going to try 100% harder than I did last time. And around and around we go. Is this resonating with anybody? Have you been on this cycle of shame before? What does it do to your soul? What does it do to your parenting? It kills you. You wonder why you yell at a kid for spilling toothpaste. It's because you feel worthless. We try really, really hard. God, I'm going to try really hard. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to do 10 sit-ups a day. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to bounce my checkbook. I'm going to stop interrupting people when they talk. I'm going to try. And then our willpower weakens. In our own strength, you and I don't have enough to get it done. 
We sin, we lose control of our temper, we give in to temptation. After that inevitable failure, we experience it again. Our distorted identity discourages us and it disrupts us and our ability to become who God has purposefully made us to be. We wake up one day and say, I just can't do it. I can never be different. Something's not working. I'm missing something. I want to tell you, you're not missing something. You're missing someone. The someone you're missing comes with a power that you do not have. The apostle Paul was wrestling through his distorted identity when he comes upon this truth and then he preaches to himself. We're about to get really Holy Ghost happy in here. Are you ready? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in who? Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not a willpower. There's no to-do list. There's no perfect planner you can write. There's nothing. It's not in a Google Doc. It's not found on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, none of the fake stuff. It's only found in who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. That is the only way to be freed from a life that is dominated by sin and death. You don't have enough power to make it out of this hole. Of pornography. You don't have enough power to do that. You don't have enough willpower to get physically healthy. You know how many times I started and stopped Planet Fitness? It was a joke at one point with the people at the desk. It wasn't until I got a reality that I want to see my great grandchildren, and not only do I want to see them, I want to outrun them. And I'm going to honor God with this body because I only got one chance. And it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And he created me. So I'm going to honor God with my body. That's when it all changed. Had nothing to do with looking good on a cruise. It had everything to do with beating my great grandkids. And I will. This way and this way. I got it. He has a power I don't have. You know why? Because whom the sun sets free is where all the Holy Ghost folks at. Is free indeed. This is the key. It starts with identity, not behavior modification. We're talking about spiritual transformation. It's not about you trying to be a better version of you. When I go to the gym, they got a big sign up above one of the treadmills I'm at, and it says, be the best version of you. I'm like, no, I'm a dead man. Devil is a liar staring at me in the face in the gym. That's what the world tells you. That's what the world says. But my Bible says differently. It says, I am a dead person. I'm dead in my sin. But Jesus Christ and his love and his grace came not to condemn me, but to die for me, to give me life and life more abundantly. That's what my Bible says. That is identity. It's about a power greater than you that has the power to change you from the inside out. Somebody say the word identity. Say identity. identity. See, the devil wants you to think that you are what you have done. You're bad because you failed. You're not what you did. You're not who others say you are. You're not even what the voice of discouragement condemns you in your mind says you are. Who are you? You are who God says you are. If you're in Christ, he says you're forgiven. You're free. There's no condemnation. You're called and you're set apart. You can do all things through the power of Christ who gives you strength. You're more than an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and your word of your testimony. That is who you are. That's who God says you are. 
And when you know who you are, you know what to do. It isn't behavior modification, it's spiritual transformation. How you see the core of your identity when you become a child of God matters. You're not a better version of you. You're new. Jesus doesn't do flip or flop. He doesn't do renos. He does demo and brand new builds. He's not slapping an old coat of paint on your house that you built. He's looking at the cracks of the foundation and he says, we need a permit, God, to demolish this house because the devil's lived in it too long. It's uninhabitable. I'm gonna build them into a brand new creation. So stop trying to put paint on the old walls of your life and allow Christ to make you brand new because then and only then will you experience the greater reward in the future. It's the only way and it's connected to your identity. When you recognize that you belong to Jesus, when it's no longer a Sunday school answer, but it's believed and it's deep within you, it changes everything. If you've surrendered your life and you've declared him as Lord, you belong to Jesus. You're a child of God. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Somebody say this, say, I belong to Jesus. Say, I belong to Jesus. Say, he is my source. He is my strength. His power is made perfect in my weakness. I am no longer a slave to my sin. His spirit empowers me. So how do we do this practically? Paul says this in Galatians 5, 6. So I walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The word flesh in Greek is the word sarks, and it doesn't just mean skin. The word flesh means a fallen sinful nature. Paul said in Philippians 3 that we don't put any confidence in the flesh. What is flesh? Flesh is willpower. Paul said, don't put any confidence in your ability to get any of this done. Don't put any confidence in that. Look at the word walk. It's the Greek word peripateo, and here's what it means. It's a present tense verse, what I love about it. It's continuous, regular action. It's a habitual way of life. Walking with the Spirit is not something you do for the first 21 days of the year with your church. Because, I don't know if you guys know this, but we're on page 130, the book's almost done. And by the way, we tricked you into reading a 200-page book in three weeks. You can read instead of watching TV. So you could finish a book a month and I continue to, I ask you to continue to read. There's something about this that is really, really important. What does this mean? This is not a one-time event. This is not an altar call. This is I'm waking up and I'm depending on the Holy Spirit. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me the words to say Today, I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom to know what to do. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me the power to say yes to what is right. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to give me the power to say no to what dishonors my Savior. I'm walking with the Spirit all day long. Have you ever heard someone speak Christianese? Christianese is like, man, how are you? Well, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. My father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. You're like, the crap? Just like asking how you're doing, bro. Like, oversaved, like backing off. My favorite is I'm taking a step of faith. They always sound like that in my head. I don't know why. Like, I'm taking a step of faith. I'm like, but, but I actually kind of agree with that one. 
I agree with that. I'm on board with that one. And I'm going to encourage you to do it. Take a step of faith. And then another one. And then another one. And then another one. All day long. It's a habitual act of taking steps of faith. And before long, you've taken enough steps of faith where you're not walking according to sight. You're walking by faith in the spirit. Remember when our kids were learning how to walk, you're scared to death. All of a sudden, you're seeing every 90-degree angle in your house. It's easy when they're immobile. And you just kind of like get them milk drunk and put them to bed, and you still watch movies. Then they grow up and terrorize you, stick things in light sockets, fall on everything sharp, run with scissors sometimes. And it's just, you're wondering, why are you so wobbly? It's because you got a big head like your dad. Maybe. I mean, it's like, why? They're learning how to walk. They're learning how to walk. You don't need any help walking anymore. It's interesting to me that this almost, this almost sounds crazy, right? Almost sounds undoable until your identity is formed to the point where everything you do and say is filtered through trust and faith in Christ. I belong to Jesus. Guide my steps, direct my thoughts, renew my mind, empower my words, use my life moment by moment by moment. And when we do, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. We walk with the spirit and we have habits of walking with him born out of our spiritual identity. Paul says he's, he doesn't say run with the spirit. He says walk. It's interesting that he uses this metaphor here because I don't know if you have recognized this, but rewards of the flesh have immediate payoff. Overeating feels good now. Those hot wings are good right now. Later, they're not. A moment on the lips, a lifetime, you know. Sexual acts outside of marriage feel good now. Laziness feels good now. But the greater reward takes time. So what do you want most? Do you want a strong, intimate marriage? Do you want to leave a godly legacy? Do you want financial freedom? Do you want lasting ministry? Because the rewards of the flesh have immediate payoff and lasting consequences. Greater rewards take time, but develop purpose and legacy. So when your identity, look up on the screen at the better cycle. I belong to Jesus. Remember the other one said, I'm bad. I belong to Jesus, so I'm gonna depend on the spirit. I'm gonna walk with him every day. I'm gonna ask him for his help. I'm gonna make sure that I am doing the, day, the night and day thing. And I'm gonna make sure that my day actually starts at night. And I'm going to make sure that I, when I, my body wakes up in the morning that I'm giving God my first and my best. And I'm going to depend on him. I'm going to depend on the spirit. And he's going to build my faith 
because I know that he's with me and he's gonna empower right actions, which then in turn make me closer to God and reinforce my identity that I'm him and he is mine. I belong to Jesus. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. I can, I, 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 you can change when your identity changes. It's possible. It's not behavior modification. It's genuine spiritual transformation. And I'll say it this way. You're not shame-driven. You're spirit-led. What a beautiful truth. Here's the key. We're not striving for results in the future. We're living from an identity today. Identity drives actions and actions create results. Well, that's easier for you, preacher. That's easier for you. You're ordained. You glow in the dark. No, I'm not naturally disciplined like that. I'm not naturally disciplined like that. My, my life was lived for too long through the identity of being not good enough, being wretched, being a broken failure. So why try? It's a daily sacrifice and a daily discipline. When I answer Jesus' call to me to receive his love and receive his forgiveness, my true identity, it's, I, be, I begin to now say, I belong to Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I am disciplined. And I, I have these statements that I say to myself almost every day. And one of them is, I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. And these are things that are come out of an identity. I am faithful because Christ in me is stronger. Listen, none of us have the willpower to be who we want to become. Here's a little secret. If you're a Christian, it's called self-control. And self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's walking in the Spirit, walking with the Spirit every day, being connected to the Spirit every day, making sure that you are focusing on Him and His Word every day. These things are fruit. An apple tree doesn't have to sit there and go, Oh, make apples! And when you're connected to the Spirit, these things start to show up in your life just because of your connection. So stay connected. Landon, I was hoping you would like resource me with like a devote, like a, like a here's three easy steps to organize my life. I'm not Marie Kondo, all right? I'm not gonna organize your life for you. Because even if you organized your home and you went to Ikea and bought all the fancy closets and you, you did everything, you organized your socks by which toe. Somebody said toe memory is a thing. I don't know if you do that. But I will tell you this. None of that matters. If your identity is still, I'm broken, wretched, I'm a failure, I can't believe I would do that again. If your identity is shame and your identity is failure, and your identity is, is I, I am, I'll never make it. You can buy all the planners, devotionals, get all the apps you want. You can even wake up early in the morning and your prayer times are still gonna be directed to God through the filter of I'm worthless. And you're gonna wonder why you're not getting any victory. You can do that today. You can do that today. You can start off today. So what do you want most? What do you want to be different? 
Not just what do you want, who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? And then you wake up every day with the identity truth of who God says you are. That you're forgiven. That you were created. You were not an accident. You were specifically designed by God. You have a purpose. You are safe in Christ. You're changed. You're an overcomer. And moment by moment, you begin to walk in the Spirit. And even when you do sin, you say, God, I sinned, I strayed. Lord, you saw it before I did it. I've seen it. I repent, and I ask you for your forgiveness. Now give me strength today to walk closer to you. And then you keep walking. You walk until it becomes habitual. See, God's Spirit in you helps you choose what you want most over what you want right now. And that's how you change. That's how you move forward this year. That's how you experience greater reward. It's not by willpower, but by the power of the Spirit living in you. And as the band comes out to help us end our service today with response time, I'm gonna go ahead and bring the prayer partners forward. If you're, if you're a prayer partner in this service today, go ahead and come down to the front, please. You can close up your notes, close up your phones, put your pins up as we're about to stand up and do some business with the Lord here. See, moments like we're about to have are reasons why online church doesn't work for you for very long. Because you, sometimes you gotta be in the room. Or as they would say, the way I was raised, is you gotta get under the spout where the glory is coming out. You gotta be under it. Let me tell you why they're here. They're not up here because they're perfect. They're not up here because they get it right all the time. They're up here because they walk by faith, connected to the spirit. And they can pray with you and impart that to you today. If you're somebody in this room that has tried your best to get over that addiction and you just can't break it, you got to come get prayer today. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this moment is for you too. If you've come to God, let's say you, you were hurt by the church, whatever church you went to before and you really got hurt and you swore it off and somehow you ended up here today. Come and have them pray that those things would be broken and you can move forward in fresh power today. So they're here to impart faith to you. If you need prayer over your marriage, come down. If you want prayer for wisdom on a decision, come down with your spouse. If you, if you want prayer over that specific job opportunity, come down. If you want prayer for physical healing, come down. And I promise you this, they're not weird people. We don't let weird people on our prayer team. Maybe one. They're not, they're not going to push you down. They're going to knock you over. No one's going to scream at you. They're not going to speak in a language you don't understand. They're going to connect faith with you and bring heaven to earth into your situation. That's it. It's not magical. It's not freaky deaky. It's just real. It's just Jesus, and you can have it in this moment. You can experience him. And then there's communion tables to the left and the right of the prayer team. There's, there's baskets with communion, and there's pins there for you too. If you want to fill out your connection card, there's prayer stuff on the back, and, and you can give it to an usher. We're going to pass buckets at the end of service. You can let us know what you're praying for, what you prayed for, and we'll lock faith with you every day.
Do you want change in your life? In order to get change, you got to do something you haven't done. In order to get change, you got to do something you haven't done. And that might mean you coming down for prayer. Maybe everybody's looking at me. Nobody cares. They're not looking at you. Nobody's watching you. They didn't come to church to see if you come to the altar. Nobody's doing that. They're, they're, they're talking to Jesus too. Guys, if we can't be family here and approach God together, where can you? This is the safest place in the world for you right now to do business with the Lord. Go ahead and stand to your feet, everybody. It isn't something you're missing. It's someone. Maybe you've realized that you don't belong to Jesus, at least not yet. And you might be around church. You might know some church people, but you don't have a relationship with Christ. See, God sent Jesus Christ to be the sacrifice for our sin. And every great revival starts with repentance. That revival in your home, your marriage, it's not by proving your point. It's through repentance. I don't have anything to repent for. Well, I will let you know, judging off what you just maybe said in your mind that I'm hypothetically saying you said, you need to repent of pride. Something's blocking it. So come as you are. Come to Jesus. Come as you are. Because when we call on his name, he forgives everything. And you don't become a better version of you. You become different. You become brand new. Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning, everybody? Father, in this moment, with the Holy Spirit come and into our hearts and show us Show us the things that are blocking our connection with you. Show us the stumbling blocks that are keeping us from walking step by step by step with you. God, give us the courage to walk down here and do business with you. Give us courage to walk down here and say, we need help. Give us courage to come down here and say, God, I need help. Phil led to say this there are some people in this room you are struggling 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 with that cycle of shame and you have been living your life in shame for so long you don't even know how you can get off that roller coaster and when you think about trying to get off that roller coaster, you do something again and then something happens and it reinforces that pit you're in and you just stay From one former roller coaster rider to a current roller coaster rider, can I tell you the truth? Having somebody hold your hands and look at you and say, You were created on purpose for a purpose. You should not be ashamed of yourself because Christ sees you. He died for you, His blood covers you. And God sees you as perfect through the lenses of the blood of Christ. You are made right with God. You are not broken. You are not wretched. You are saved, delivered, and healed in Jesus' name. You need that spoken over you today. So Father, we continue to say, give us courage in this moment. And for the next five minutes, would heaven invade in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, 
tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.